born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. But anyway, if you're um, looking up on the screen, Calvary Community Church. And uh, most churches have a, a constitution that states this is what we believe. Uh, some churches you go to, they, um, they have it very simple. They don't really tell you too much. Fear that you, you know, might not come to their church. I would like to have where people know this is what the church stands for. This is what they believe. And so the Calvary Community Church Constitution by the grace of God. Because without the grace of God, you don't have a church. Church is made up of a body of believers. Those who have trusted Christ as their Savior know they have eternal life. Now, this is the preamble to the uh, Constitution. So we'll take just a moment and we'll read it. Now, you can either look on your notes there, because it's right there in the book, or you can look up on the screen. All right. The Calvary Community Church of Tampa... Incorporated. Now, believe it or not, there's a lot of Calvary Community Churches. And sometimes when I talk to people, they say, oh, you're Calvary. Yeah, we heard about y'all. And then they mention some other part of Florida. I said, no, 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 we're over here by the airport. So just because there's a church named Calvary doesn't mean it's us. So I'm glad that we have of Tampa. That lets you know where we are. So Calvary, you know, you can't get a better name than Calvary. We talk about Calvary, you're talking about the cross. So I like the name Calvary. I think it's a beautiful name. And community, well, it's uh, made up of those in our community that have trusted Christ as Savior. And we're a church. That means we're a called-out assembly, ecclesia. So we're a called-out body of believers, and uh, we have something that we believe and something that we believe God wants us to do. Herein referred to as Calvary Community Church is a congregation of Bible-believing Christians governing itself, but having no connection with any organized denomination. In other words, we're not part of a denomination. We do not have somebody somewhere else that's over us. You know, like a Catholic church, they got the Pope over there in Rome that's over them. And you have a lot of denominational churches. Well, we're not any of those. We are an autonomous church. That means that we are self-governed. And so, therefore, we do what we believe God wants us to do. And if you'll notice, it is formed in an effort to disassociate itself from the doctrinal unbelief and modernism expressed in many denominational bodies. 
and also to disassociate itself from any interdenominational body or council who have expressed or promoted, you know, social or economical, political, military or Christian doctrine which violate or otherwise circumvented the infallibility of the Holy Scriptures. Now, in the book of Romans, in chapter 1, the Bible tells us that uh, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So we believe that the gospel is the power, the dynamite of God. And we believe that everybody can be saved, Jews or Gentiles, by faith and faith alone. And so the Bible tells us that we should come together and encourage one another, and this is what we do. Now, in the church here, when we say it's uh, autonomous, it means that uh, it governs its own affairs. In its declaration of belief or intent, and it exercises sole and complete control of all property in its name by a board of directors duly appointed under appropriate laws of the state of Florida and approved by the congregation. This is why we seek to always have the guys that uh, are here for office, they're voted on by the church, and there's certain things that we have to do. We just don't do anything that we want to do. We try to do things decently and in order. And sometimes it gets a little hairy at times trying to figure out all the things you have to do and all the I's that has to be dotted and the T's that has to be crossed, trying to do things right. And uh, that doesn't mean we're perfect. We do a lot of things probably we shouldn't do, but I believe God knows our heart and our purpose and our goal in mind. And this church was started in 19, I don't forget what year, 62 or someplace like that, with Dr. Hank Lindstrom and uh, 66. And I think it was a Presbyterian-type church at one time, and then they changed it over. And uh, so anyway, we like the changes that have been made. And I thank the Lord for all the work that Dr. Hank Lindstrom has done before I ever got here. Anyway... We look at it, Calvary Community Church expresses an interest in all true Christian enterprises, to some of which it contributes as the congregation may designate. In its effort to have a part in Christian training, in missions, at home and abroad, and to assist in progress of other Christian activities, Calvary Community Church contributes to those enterprises in which the Holy Bible is the center of the curriculum or activity and where individuals or groups are taught the inspired Word of God is the only infallible rule of faith and practice for the believer regenerated by the Holy Spirit. So this is what we believe, that the Bible is the infallible Word of God. And that means it has no mistakes in it, no errors, and we believe it and we teach it and we base all of our so-called what rules of faith, what we believe, practice what we do, upon what that book teaches. So, for the believer regenerated by the Holy Spirit, Calvary Community Church will contribute to selected foreign missions and committees or to individuals thereof whose object is to promote a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and growth in the knowledge of Him and His present work of intercession through their mission activities. This is why we want to have good fellowship with other people of like mind. And we also want to have missions that go out and are clear on the gospel and seek to support them. This is why I believe that our church should be a strong missionary church. This is why we want to have mission conference so that we can 
bring missionaries in, present missionaries, and have all of these things that we should have. And so that means that if we have missionaries, we should have to support them. In um, this main, I uh, sent out a little newsletter just recently. And one of the things in the newsletter is, why start a Bible college to produce students to go into all the world and preach the gospel, and they sacrifice to go to school, and then sacrifice to do the work, and then those that don't go don't sacrifice to stand behind them. Why keep producing people to go into the foreign fields and then nobody support them? Over the years, I have seen multitudes of people that went to Florida Bible College that I went to years ago, go to the mission field, and then people stop supporting them, yelled out of sight, out of mind. And then they are on the foreign field and they have no way of raising their support. So what would you do if you've got a wife and a couple of kids and you're on the foreign fields and all of a sudden your support stops? What do you got to do? Come home. Because they're not allowed to work in those other countries. Most missionaries, you have to have support because they won't let you get a job there. Not like coming to America in most places. And so a lot of missionaries that were willing to go sacrifice and then people not support them. Because you say, well, it, it, takes, it takes money, and it's a sacrifice. And so a lot of people just don't want to sacrifice that much. So we have a college. We want to produce students. Then we want to see them succeed when they leave. And trust the Lord to lead and guide them wherever they may go. Now, the next statement here I have is that um, Calvary Community Church will seek to establish both far and near by contributions and encouragement, and other independent Christian activities. Because the Bible says, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, uh, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. So it's not just where you are, it's that you're trying to start missions all over the world. So you want somebody to go and somebody to do these things. That takes an awful lot takes a lot of time for a person, you know, that's old enough to go to college and then the sacrifice to go and then to give up something and the sacrifice they made. And they, they could have just eliminated a lot of problems just by just forget about it and just go get a good job, make some good money and do what you want. All right, then where would missionaries be? What if Hank had never come over here to Tampa? What if I hadn't gone to Colorado? We think of the thousands and thousands of people that are going to heaven because... We did, and, but we had to give up something. And so there is a sacrifice, and sometimes it gets very difficult. So this is what we're doing. The next statement, we, the members of Calvary Community Church, do here ordain and establish the following articles to which we voluntarily submit ourselves. Nobody can make you trust the Lord, can they? And nobody can make you go to church. Nobody can make you join a church. Nobody's ever held a gun to anybody's head and said, you've got to join the church. And we try to make it clear that joining the church will not save you. It won't help you get to heaven. All it does is bring a body of believers. And by being a member of a church, you're saying, this is what I believe. So we want people to say, okay, this is what this church stands for. And this is what they believe. So this is why we don't have it where anybody comes to church can join the church on the first time they ever come. 
Now, I've been in a lot of churches, and every time they get through preaching, they have them all stand. And if you want to join the church this morning, you come on down here and join the church. And they vote them right in. Well, wait a minute. I know this is hypothetical. But let's say 30 Muslims walk in one day. And if you want to join the church, come on down. 30 of them, come on down. And they state and say everything. Now they're members. The next Sunday, they do that again. Get some more. And then the next Sunday, one of them stands up and says, I make a motion that we get rid of the preacher. All in favor, aye. And, 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 you know, and the preachers voted out. That's happened. That has happened. Where people who needed a church building didn't have a church building, but they had people. But they didn't have a church building. So what they did is they said, Della, just filter into this church, join the church, and we'll get enough in there. We'll have more than what they have, and then we'll vote and take over the whole church. And they did. And there's not a thing they could do about it. Nothing. They lost their whole church. So here's another church now that's got a nice church paid for. Didn't have to do anything. So I don't think that's the best decision to make. I believe that people, when they join the church, they ought to know what they're doing. Do you think that two people just met? Hello. What's your name? I'm Ralph Arnold. What's your name, Betty? Let's get married today. Well, that's about the way that I did it. But is that the best way to do it? Now, let's go get married. So they got married. Shouldn't you find out a little bit about each other first? I mean, we want them to find out about us. And we want to find out a little bit about them. Don't you think that just makes sense? So a lot of people never find out what the church stands for. They just join. Oh, I just love the singing there. Yeah, but do you know what they believe? I don't know. I don't even know what I believe. <laughs> so they don't know what they believe. They don't know what the church believes and says, okay, and they join. That's not the best way to do it. So we want people to know what we believe. So we've had it to where when somebody wants to join the church here, they always get with Dr. Paulson, and he has a class for them, and he explains to them, this is what we believe. And so um, it's worked for a, a long time. But anyway, look at this. Article 1, the name of this church shall be Calvary Community Church of Tampa, Incorporated. Article 2, the doctrinal statement. This is a doctrinal statement that we have in the church that we also have where you cannot change this doctrinal statement. And then the statement that says you can't change this statement, we have it down where you can't change the statement that says you can't change this statement too. Just in case somebody wanted to change the statement that says you can change this statement. So we put that in there and got that protected. I guess we could change that statement that says to change the statement that changes the statement. But I don't know. If, that's a little over my head. <laughs> anyway, what do we believe? Well, here's what we believe. The Holy Bible. We do believe that the Bible is holy. It's a holy book. It's not a book full of holes. It's the Holy Scriptures. And we believe the Holy Scriptures to be verbally inspired Word of God. Inerrant. No errors. Infallible. And God-breathed. God-breathed is what makes, gives it the inspiration. It means to breathe out and breathe in. It's like inhaling and exhaling. God breathed out His Word into the, the writers and then they put it down. So God breathed into them by the Holy Spirit, and they wrote what God told them to write. The Bible is not a collection of men sitting down. You know, I think I'll write a book. Well, why don't you write the book of uh, Haggai, and I'll write the book of Amos. They didn't decide that. 
God told them what to write, and they wrote down. And many times when they wrote, they didn't always understand everything they wrote. Daniel wrote the book of Daniel, but there's things in the book of Daniel that God said, seal up the book until the time of the end, because there's a lot he didn't understand. So the Bible says that he, uh, well, look in your Bible. Look at this verse, 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 20. In your Bible, 1 Peter because this is a good verse, you need to see this. Because it deals with the, the Word of God itself. Second Peter chapter 1, look what he says in verse 20. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. One thing you can look at is not one verse stands alone. You don't build a doctrine off of one verse. It has to agree with all Scripture. And that no one person can interpret all of the scriptures. The scripture interprets scripture. So if you study the Bible as a whole, it will interpret itself. And in verse 21, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. It means guided along by the Holy Spirit. So, that's how we've got the Word of God. Now, in 2 Timothy in chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, it talks about the Scriptures are inspired of God. And the Old Testament, the New Testament, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for everything that a man needs. So, this is what we believe about the Scriptures. Now, we talk about the Godhead, and this is a, a little bit hard for people to understand. It's hard for me to understand. The Godhead is made up of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They're all three God. So we know the Scripture says that Jesus is God. Scripture says that the Holy Spirit is God. And the Scripture says that the Father is God. All three of them God. So you try to explain it to people and say that, uh, you know, all three is God. They all show what God is like. And then he says, God made us man in his image. Well, I'm in, made in the image of God, but I am a trinity. I'm a body, soul, and spirit. So you have me, the soul, that's like the, you know, the father. And um, then you have the body, which is that which is revealed, what you see. Uh, okay, there's Christ. Then you've got the spirit of man. Well, then you've got the Holy Spirit. So you do have a trinity, but I'm only one. But I am only one. But I have a body, soul, and spirit. Now, if I could take three chairs, put three chairs up here, and put my body in one, my soul in the other one, and my spirit in the other one, wouldn't that be a neat trick? But have you ever talked to yourself? It's when you answer yourself that you get in trouble. But you talk to yourself. You walk sometime, and you want to hear yourself talk. You want to hear yourself sing, and you think. And so you, you have a body, and you have a soul, and you have a spirit. So when you break it down, God wants your body to be, you know, healthy. He wants your soul to be happy, and he wants your spirit to be holy so that you are a trinity. And some people say, well, what about using, you know, water, H2O? It comes in three forms, solid, liquid, and gas. So it can be solid, ice, and it can be, you know, water, that's liquid, and it can be gas, it can be, you know, mist. Whatever we want. So you can have water in three different forms. 
but generally not in the same time. That's the problem. Well, what if you took an egg? They say, okay, an egg, it's got the yolk, it's got the white, and got the, the shell, right? So what is an egg? It's the yolk. But is the egg the shell? Uh, but see, it's all three of those is what makes an egg. But when you're talking about a person, I am a son. My mama called me son because I was bright. Well, anyway. So my mama calls me son. Now, my daughter, she calls me dad. And my wife, she calls me husband. So I am a son, I am a dad, and I am a husband all at the same time. So that means I must be three people. Or am I just one person? I'm one person, but I am seen through different eyes as a son, a dad, and a husband. But now whether or not you can ever find the perfect illustration for the Godhead, you might just have to leave it as there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and all three of God. There are three persons in the Godhead. And each one has certain responsibilities. And Jesus says that I lay down my life. He says the Holy Spirit raised him from the dead. And God says that he slew his own son. And then he tells Thomas, he says, he said, he that hath seen me hath seen the Father. You saw me, you saw the Father. I, I am the Father. And so it's hard for people to understand. But God has a son. Now, when the Bible makes this statement, God says in the book of Isaiah, Beside me, there is no God. I'd make that up now. That's in the book of Isaiah. There is no God beside me. So that means if God says there is no God, and he is God, and he says there is none like me, and if there is no God, and I know not any, then Allah the God of the Muslims can't be God. So that means they really don't have a God. There is no God named Allah because Allah is not a God. There is no God. When we were down in Trinidad, we went and saw their monkey God, about 80 foot high statue, 85 feet high. And he has the face of a monkey. Now, they have a rat god. They have a monkey god. Would you like to have a god that looks like a monkey? How insulting that would be to the monkey. But there is no such thing as a monkey god. There is no other god. There's only one true and living god, and that's God. And his name is Jehovah, and he has a son. The one they call Allah, well, he doesn't have a son. He's not God. So that means they're worshiping something that don't even exist. Allah doesn't exist. It was man-made. They made it up. That means that um, the Koran is not a divine book. Now, the Bible is a divine book. God wrote that book. That's why it's called the Word of God. It's not the Word of man. It's the Word of God. God wrote that book, and that's what we believe. So we say, well, everybody believes the same thing. No, they don't. All preachers are alike. No, they're not. I was telling somebody the other day, I said, you ought to come out to Calvary, come in your church. I said, I'm not like most preachers. 
Eh, everybody's the same. They're all the same. Money grubbers, that's all they are. You know, I, I have to put up with everything. And so um, I don't go to church anymore because I know a preacher that ran off with a secretary. You'll notice all my secretaries are men. <laughs> I run off with them. <laughs> but anyway, we'll move right along. We believe in one triune God existing in three persons, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, eternal in being, identical in essence, equal in power and glory, and having the same attributes and perfection. They're all perfect, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Remember this, if God writes a book, it has to be perfect because God is perfect. And the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit leads you, the Holy Spirit can never lead you to do something unholy because He's perfect and He's the Holy Spirit, not unholy spirit. And the Holy Spirit can never lead you to do something contrary to the Word, the Holy Word of God. That's why you want to have power in your life. Well, then that's because of the power of the Holy Spirit to teach you the Holy Book. And a holy life is the result of you letting the Holy Spirit teach you the holy book. Does that make sense? It's supposed to make sense. And so that is so important. Now look at the next statement. Number three, the total depravity of man. We believe that man was created in the image and the likeness of God, but that in Adam's sin, mankind fell, inherited a sinful nature, became alienated from God, and that man of himself is totally unable to regain his former position. So this is taught in the Bible. And the Bible says that your sins have separated between you and your God. That's why we do the wallet illustration and we use the sin separates us. So when we talk about the total depravity of man, we just mean that man is totally depraved and that he cannot save himself. It doesn't mean that a man is dead, like a dead man laying there, and you can kick him and he doesn't feel it. That's what some Calvinists want to say, and we don't believe that. We believe you can still reason, think, see, understand, make decisions. God didn't say you can't do that. It means you're separated. When he says you're dead in trespasses and sin, it means you're separated from God. doesn't mean you don't exist doesn't mean you can't think. So they say, well, because you're so totally depraved, you can't even make a decision. So therefore, you can't get saved unless God gives to you the faith to believe. And so he only gives that faith to the ones he chooses to save. That's heresy. So we don't teach that here. There's a lot of churches that teach that. A lot of them. And we were down there in Trinidad, and even though there were some of the preachers that came from different places, some of them believed in Calvinism. By the end of the week, they'd had a good dose in the Holy Ghost, I mean in the book. So they knew that Calvinism teaching was wrong. So is man dead? Yes, that means he's separated from God. So why did Christ come and die? So that he could bring man to God. That's why he says in the book of First Peter, or second Peter, that he did this for that reason. I want you to look at that. Since you're right there in the book of Peter, look in uh, 1 Peter in chapter 3, and look in verse 18. 1 Peter chapter 3 and look in verse 18. You'll notice there 
For Christ also hath once suffered for sins. And the reason he only did it once is because how many times does man die to pay for his sins? He only dies once. So if Christ is going to die for me, how many times does he have to die? Once. And that means he had to pay for all of my sins once. The just, that's him. For the unjust, that's me. Get this, that he might do what? Bring us to God. Death is separation from God, so he died to bring us to God. Is it possible to trust Christ as my Savior without making him Lord of my life? Is it true that if Christ is not Lord of all, he is not Lord at all? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book, or write by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Jesus is coming, so keep looking up. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.